and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name is Vanessa Schneider and I am Senior Channels and Community Manager at GDS. Today, we are looking back as fondly as we can on 2020. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this was a momentous year, and we have many reasons to be proud of what our organization and our colleagues have achieved. What better way to reflect on the year than to ask a couple of my colleagues to put their GDS knowledge to the test? We're going to see who has been paying attention to GDS happenings in 2020. Please welcome my guests, Louise Harris and Kit Clark. Hey, Vanessa. Good to be here. Great to have you on, Lou. Uh, Do you mind telling us what you do at GDS? And uh, to spice things up a little bit for the end of the year, maybe a fun fact about yourself? Sure. Well, of course, we know each other very well, Vanessa, because I have the pleasure of working with you in the creative team. But for everybody else, I'm Lou and I head up the channels and creative team at GDS. I'm a relatively new starter and one of our lockdown joiners because I joined in May 2020. In terms of a fun fact, it may surprise some of you, given my accent, to know that I'm a fluent Welsh speaker. You s- Do you sound very Welsh? You know what? We've got to put it to the test. Can you tell me what the team is called that you work for in Welsh? Ah, uh, okay. This is something I think I can do. So I will give you my intro again in Welsh. So Louise Harris, do we? Arwyn Gweithio and a team creadigol a Chanelli and wasanaethau digidol a Llywodraeth. Okay, anybody who knows Welsh, you've got to contact us and tell us if she got it right or not. Um, Kit, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name's Kit. I'm an engagement manager within the strategic engagement function. Um, uh, An interesting fact, I suppose, about myself uh, is that my uncle composed the EastEnders theme tune. So that's that's something I always, uh, always bring out in introductions. I was warned that your interesting fact would be amazing. And I think it does live up to that... Uh, disclaimer. I think that is a very, very fun fact indeed. I was not warned that your fun fact was going to be as good, Kit. I'm so impressed by that. What a claim to fame. I think I might just start with the quiz. Um, Of course, if you're at home, you can play along if you like. Just make sure to keep score as you go, as I'll be sharing the answer after each question. So let's start with the first question of the quiz. Here it is. What was the most popular GDS podcast episode in 2020? So what topic do you think was in the most popular episode? I'll take that as an answer. I'm presuming that we're excluding this episode from the list of most popular ones. So it's the most popular one before this one, right? Yes, I'm afraid we don't have any foresight. So it'll have to be one from January to November. Okay, well, I think we've had some really great guests and different people from across government this year. The big one has got to be the GovUK response to coronavirus and setting up the coronavirus landing page. I think that was such a big achievement, both in terms of the work that was done to get that product up and out, but also for you folks over here on the podcast, because I believe that was the first remote recorded podcast that we did. Mm, Any thoughts, Kit? Any competing offers? Not too sure. I know that accessibility has been quite a theme this year, and I believe that was in January. But I also know that there was uh, a couple of celebration ones. There was one looking at two years of local digital declaration. So um, I think I might go, I think COVID's a great shout, but I'm going to go different and go accessibility. All right. So there are some pretty solid guesses with both of you. Well done. I can reveal that the third most popular episode was in fact our accessibility episode. Good hunch there, Kit. Um, Second most popular was 
about the GovUK design system. But indeed, in first place, most popular episode this year was on the GovUK response to COVID-19. Woohoo! Points go to Lou on that. All right. So GDS has run a lot of stories this year. My second question is about the blog and which post attracted the most attention. This is a really tricky one because I think we've had so many good stories go out this year about the work that GDS has been doing across government. And of course, so much of what we do is used by our colleagues in the public sector. So there's often a lot of interest in what we have to say, which is great. I mean, a big moment for me this year was our Global Accessibility Awareness Day celebrations, where we were joined by thousands of people um, who came together to talk about digital accessibility and the work that we needed to do. So I feel like maybe the wrap-up blog that we did about that, which had all of the links to the training webinars, I feel like that might be pretty popular. And even if it wasn't the most popular, it was definitely my favorite. Yeah, I I can reveal to you that the third most popular post this year introduced GovUK accounts. How could we forget? It was such a big story. Well, you might want to hold on to that thought. It could just help you later in the quiz. Our second most popular post described the launch of our online introduction to content design course. Content design, hugely popular. I think we might have done a podcast episode about that. Finally, I can reveal our most popular post in 2020 explained how gov.uk notify reliably sends text messages to users. Let's go on to our next question. Uh, As a bit of a preamble, GDS leads the digital data and technology function in government, which is also known as the DDAT function, and we believe firmly in user-centered design. Hint, hint keywords. Uh, So there are several job families in DDAT, but can you tell me how many job roles feature in the user-centered design family? There's seven. You seem pretty sure about that. On a dare, could you name all of them? I hope so, because I've had some training on it relatively recently. So in the user-centered design family, there's the user researcher, content strategist, the technical writer, and then there's the content design, graphic design, service design, and the interaction design. Wow, hats off, Kit. I had a feeling it was like about seven roles, but I don't think I could have named them. I am I am very impressed. Uh, you got to make sure that that team doesn't poach you away from us now. For those of you following along at home, you can find out more in the DDAT capability framework, which is hosted on gov.uk. And as it happens, we actually spoke to some content designers earlier in the year, so we're going to play a clip. So GDS is actually the home of content design and government too, as the term and the discipline originated here under GDS's first head of content design, Sarah Richards. And so why do you think it came out of the early days of GDS? So... Really good question. And I think it is really useful for us to pause and and reflect and and look back sometimes on on this because um, it's not, you know, content design, as you said, it it came from, as a discipline, it came from GDS. Uh, So really, it only started to emerge around 2010, so 2010, 2014. So in the grand scheme of things, as a discipline, it is a very young And so it's still evolving and it's still growing. Um, So back in the early 2000s, before we had gov.uk, we had uh, direct gov. And alongside alongside that, we had like hundreds 
um, of other government websites. So it was it was a mess, really, because users had to really understand and know what government department governed the thing that they were looking for. Um, so what gov.uk did was uh, we brought websites together into a single domain that we now know of as gov.uk. Um, and that was a massive undertaking. And the reason for doing that was was simple. It was It was to make things easier for users to access and understand, make things clearer, and crucially, to remove the burden um, on people to have to navigate and understand all of the structures of government. So back in the early days, um, gov.uk, GDS, uh, picked, I think it was around, the, I think it was the top 25 um, services in what was known as the exemplar program. Um, so I think things like that included things like register to vote, um, uh, lasting power of attorney, carers allowance. And so I think through that process, we we dis- we discovered that um, it actually wasn't really about website redesign. Um, it was more about service design, um, and that that's where content design and service design, interaction design, and user research kind of came together under this. Um, banner of user-centered design because you can't have good services without content design essentially all right on to our next quiz question so at gds we like to talk about build it once use it often and are responsible for a number of amazing products and services as part of our government as a platform or gap offer Many of our products have been put through their paces during the coronavirus response and have hit some impressive milestones in the last 12 months. I'm going to award two points in total. It's a two-part question, so I'll ask the first part first. So, how many messages had GovUK Notify sent as of the beginning of December? Is it two billion? Ooh, okay. Uh, Yes, Notify has sent more than 2 billion messages as of the beginning of this month. Um, As you've buzzed in first, I will give you first right of refusal. How long did it take Notify to send its first and second billion messages? I'm going to pass it over to Lou and see see what she knows about Notify. Very gentlemanly. I'm really glad that Kit kicked this over to me because I remember seeing one of our colleagues, Pete Hurley's tweet, which said that it took them a full four years to send the first one billion messages, but it only took them six months to send the second billion, which is an absolutely incredible achievement and for Notify and has shown just the kind of pace that that team's been working at. Truly is an incredible number. But Notify has really had a big year. And Pete Hurley actually shared some of Notify's story in our May episode of the podcast. Let's have a listen. But to talk specifically about Notify, um, in the blog post, there's talking about this huge increase in numbers, like 2 million SMS messages were sent using Notify on a single day in March compared to the daily average of 150,000. I've also got a figure here of daily messages up as much as 600%, as high as 8.6 million a day. So what services are using Notify um, to help with the government's coronavirus response? Yeah, the, so the, the, the increase in communication uh, is obviously massive and needs to be. And wh- one of the biggest users of Notify is the gov.uk email service. And they, they do all of the email for people who subscribe to any content uh, that the government publishes. So travel alerts for example if you want to know can i take a flight to namibia here's the guidance or if there's uh, hurricanes coming through the caribbean and these countries are affected then i need to like push out information to say don't go to these places or whatever it might be 
and those alerts are you know again potentially protecting people life and property etc that kind of stuff they're like really important and there's been a huge amount of travel uh, advice and alerts being given um as, as you can imagine um so that's been one of the biggest users and then i think from the from the health perspective there's i'll just say nhs because there's like various bits of the nhs uh, that are uh, working like ridiculously hard and fast um to spin up new services really quickly and these services are like just incredibly crucial right now so the extremely vulnerable service this is one where the government said if you are you know in this extreme risk category you should stay at home for 12 weeks and they've been texting this uh this group of people uh, there's all the stuff around testing and results for testing ordering home test kits all these sorts of things so there's the very specific um covid response type stuff and that that is there is a significant volume of that that's still ongoing it all came very quickly as well you know this wasn't a gradual ramp up over weeks and weeks to five six seven hundred percent it was it was almost overnight okay i feel like this has been a bit too easy so i thought about making the next two tricky and then i thought i was being too mean so they are again connected uh questions but they will be multiple choice this time so again if you buzz in for the first one you get first dibs at the second question as well so on 20th of march the gov uk team shipped the coronavirus landing page which established a critical central source of guidance and information for people across the uk but do you know how many days it took to go from concept to live was it a less than five days b less than 12 days or c less than 15 days Lou. I think it was less than five days. All right. That is correct. In fact, it was only four and a half days. We had Markland Starkey and Leanne Cummings join us on the podcast in April to explain how he did this and what effect it had. The thing that the landing page, I suppose, was able to do um, over and above the standard solution was really to bring together um, in a more consolidated fashion um, wider signposts to existing and new content um, across government. Um, it also allows us the flexibility to um, redesign or extend or iterate on that landing page um, at pace, which we've been able to do um, in the in the weeks since. So um, that's um, based on ongoing research into the landing page and insights to um, move certain content around, um, add certain content that was missing in the first instance, um, remove content that's not working, all of those things. And was also um, one of the reasons why um, it's been able to be built quickly and iterated quickly is we're using other GDS tools that already exist. For example, the gov.uk design system, um, is that was that been part of it as well? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, so w- without those things in place, like the design system um, that you've mentioned, um, this would take weeks and weeks. Um, so we've been able to take existing patterns, um, modify them where needed to. So being able to bring in elements um, whilst using existing patterns to really kind of push it through at pace. I mean, I personally still find it incredible that things went from conception to actually delivering in such a short span of time. It's incredible, I personally think. And also when you're talking with such high stake products as well, you know, this is a time when the nation was looking for trusted sources of information 
about what they could do to keep themselves and their family safe. So it's just an incredible body of work to have done. Not only that, but also in true GDS style, they were keeping the user at the centre throughout the whole process. So I believe the coronavirus landing page was the first landing page that we designed to be mobile first because we recognised that was where our users were going to be accessing that information. So in addition to delivering some incredible services and information at a pace we've probably never had to do before, we're also continually iterating and innovating to give people the best possible experience on the site. I think there's so much to be proud of and just really hats off to gov.uk. So you've earned yourself the right to answer the next question first. Um, GovUK receives thousands upon thousands of visits every day, but in a week in March, it experienced a peak of how many visits? Was it A, 2 million? Was it B, 67 million? Or was it C, 132 million? Okay, so it was back in March, so that is kind of peak COVID times. I think it's got to be 132 million. It must be. You are officially on a roll, Lou. Um, yes, the answer to the second question is 132 million. Although that is probably an underestimate, as our analytics only count users who accept cookies that measure the website use. So the true figures are likely even higher, as Jen Alam explained in a blog post on the topic. So visit gds.blog.gov.uk to check that nugget out. On to our next question. Um, Gov.uk Pay has also had a busy year, and last month we celebrated some recent milestones with them on this podcast. What were they? All right, Lou. I think it's been a really exciting time for Pay over the last couple of months, and I know that we spoke to them on a recent podcast. So I think that the milestone you're looking for is that they've onboarded their 400th service. Well, I'm sorry, Lou, but that was only half the answer I was looking for. Um, Kit. It's your chance. Do you want to score another half point, maybe? I believe they've processed half a billion pounds since their inception. Well done. That is spot on. And together, those two factoids make a pretty sweet nugget. <laughs> that was so cheesy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. And they only started in 2015. So that's an amazing number of services and uh, some of payments to process. So my next question for you both is that we were also very busy on the GovUK Twitter account this year and saw a huge spike in users coming to us with queries and looking for support. That is something that I actually blogged about back in May. But can you tell me, as a percentage, how much our engagement increased on our posts? Was it 12,500%? Was it 150%? Or was it 700%? And for a bonus, can you tell me to the nearest 100,000, how many people are following the GovUK Twitter account right now? I want to go with the 12, the 12 and a half. (laughs) All right, Kit. I can confirm that you are right. Do you want to, do you want to try and punt for the bonus point? Do you reckon you've got that? Yeah, we'll go for it. I think the GovUK Twitter account has got around 1.2 million people following it. Oh, you are so close. I'm going to give you a half point. 1.8 million. 
And I have to say, it's been a real whirlwind of a year because of that. So we completely changed the way that we approach community management, responding to people. Lou, I think you oversaw the project. What did you think about that? Well, I think it certainly felt like we experienced a 12,000% increase in engagement. And I know that you, Vanessa, and so many of our colleagues over in comms have been working really, really hard to make sure that we get back to the, frankly, thousands of people who come via the GovUK Twitter account every day looking for advice and signposting to guidance on the GovUK website. So it's been a phenomenal year. You've all done a phenomenal job. Um, And I think you've got lots to be proud of. That is very kind of you to say. I wasn't really fishing for compliments, but I'll take them anyway. Um, You can actually find out a little bit about how we tackle that, as I mentioned in the blog post I wrote, but we've also put out our social media playbook earlier this year. We've made an update, and it just talks about the kind of things that we've been considering over the course of the year. It includes updates on accessibility, security, and very important in this time of year, uh, mental health. I think that's a really important point, Vanessa, because so often in digital comms, people think about the technology, but not the people behind that technology who are using it day in day out so I was really pleased when we were able to include that section on well-being in our GDS social media playbook and it's just another example of that GDS mentality of build once use many so we created that as a resource to share how we do things and what we're learning and what's working for us and we just hope that that's a useful tool that our colleagues across government can put into practice as well. All right I think we've got some points to pick up on this next question. Earlier this year, we launched the Data Standards Authority with our friends and counterparts over at ONS, which is the Office for National Statistics, and DCMS, which is the Department for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport. You'll hear from our former Director General, Alison Pritchard now, who explains a little bit more about the DSA. Government holds considerable volumes of data in a myriad of places, but often this data is inconsistent, incomplete, or just unusable. If the government is going to realise the benefits data can bring, we'll need to fix the foundations. And one way of doing this is by focusing on data standards. GDS is leading a new authority, the Data Standards Authority. Their focus is on making data shareable and accessible across government services. The metadata standards and guidance we published in August were our first deliverable. They cover what information should be recorded when sharing data across government, for example in spreadsheets to ensure it's standardised and easy to use. It's a step in quality assuring how government data is shared. Our focus on standards is one part of the bigger picture around better managing data to ensure better policy outcomes and deliver more joined up services to citizens. So now you know what the DSA is. Uh, Have your pens at the ready. I'm going to read out a series of letters that relate to the DSA that I would like you to unscramble. Oh, okay. All right. So it's T-E-M-A-T-A-A-D. Those are the letters, eight of them. I find these so difficult. I'm so rubbish at these. I think I've got the letters written down right and my dyslexia might be playing my favour here. Is it data team? Oh, I would love that. Uh, That is a great one. And it makes use of the right letters. It's not the answer I'm looking for, unfortunately. It has to be about the data standards authority. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I don't think I would have got this had Kit not unscrambled half of it. But if it's not data team, is it metadata? We've got a winner here. That's right. 
Uh, I'm not going to repeat the letters. It definitely spells out, if you get them in the right order, metadata. So, Kit, do you mind sharing with our listeners what metadata is? I, uh, I realized that I was going for speed over quality in that answer, and data team was a bit of an overly simplistic answer. Uh, metadata is, correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially data that provides insight into other data. It's a little bit Inception. Oh, Leo films are available. Spot on. <laughs> yep, that's right. Last month, so that's November, we blogged about the document checking service pilot that is running until next summer. And there's still a number of points up for grabs here. So let's see who's been paying attention. What does the document checking service let you do? So the document checking service is a project to see whether organizations outside government can use real-time passports checks to build useful digital services. Mm, I will score that as right. So it is great that we've got this pilot underway, especially considering that a lot of people are working remotely right now, given that individuals can provide their details without needing to go any place in person to prove their identity. All right, so now we're on to a topic that both of you have already broached, so I'm confident we're going to get some points to some people here. In May 2020, we celebrated Global Accessibility Awareness Day by running a series of webinars and talks to help prepare public sector organizations for a forthcoming accessibility regulations deadline. Can you tell me what deadline we were building up to? All right, Lou, point, uh, potential point for you. So the most recent deadline, and particularly the one that we were working to for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, or GAD, would have been the 23rd of September 2020, which was the date by which all existing public sector websites and intranets needed to be accessible. Yep, that's right. So to hear more about that, we are going to go back in time cheekily to January where we had Chris and Rihanna on the podcast telling us a little bit more about public sector duty to accessibility. I guess part of this is also thinking like, why is it particularly important that government is a leader in accessible services? Um, like, what, why is that so important? I mean, as, as you said at the beginning, um, you know, you don't choose to use government, you have to use government. Um, so you can't go anywhere else. So it, it's our obligation to make sure that, that everything is accessible to everyone. And it does have to be everyone, and especially those with disabilities or, or um, needing to use uh, assistive technology um, tend to have to interact with government more. So um, we do have an obligation for that. And I think if you think about it, these are public services. They're online public services. So they need to be able to be used by the public, not exclusive groups. And I think that's what it's all about. So looking ahead, there is another accessibility regulations deadline coming up. When is it? And what is it for? One point to award here. Is it the 23rd of June next year? So 2021? That's right, yes. And what is the deadline for? And I think it's for all mobile apps to become compliant as well, so not just websites. That is right. If you are worried about those deadlines, we have some great resources. You can find them on accessibility.campaign.gov.uk. That's not just restricted to the public sector. Accessibility is important to everyone. So please visit. We've got everything you need there. All right. So we are slowly but surely coming towards the last few questions. 
Um, GovUK is built on the principle that you shouldn't need to know how government works to use government services. Very prescient. But the way people interact online has changed a lot over the eight years since GovUK launched. Services like shopping, banking, or entertainment are increasingly personalized. And that is something that GDS wants to explore for citizens too. In September, we were excited to share our future strategy for GovUK accounts. We think this is important and exciting work that will make it simpler for citizens to interact with government to do the things they need to do. But can either of you tell me how many times will the average individual in the UK visit GovUK in a year? Just guess away, please, folks. Guess away. Is it 400? I like the optimism, but also in a weird way, that's pessimistic, isn't it? <laughs> I'd say it's, it's a two-digit number. I, I doubted myself halfway through there. No worries, no worries. Try again. Like, cut a zero. <laughs> is it around 40 times a year? I think this is a really difficult question because on the one hand, GovUK is such an important part of our national infrastructure. I mean, you can do so many things on GovUK. You know, you want to renew your car tax, you do it there. You want to check on the next bank holiday is, you do it there. But on the other hand, it's so easy to use that it's almost you're in, you're out, you get what you need. So how often, like, I'm trying to think how often I maybe visit it. It's, it's got to be at least like four or five times a month. So yeah, I think I would maybe land somewhere where Kit is. That's a really good point, Lou. I, I think you've just overestimated it a little bit. So according to our rough calculations, it's something like 22 times a year. If you head over to the GDS blog, you can see how we reach those numbers. Um, but yeah, it's really hard because obviously there's no competitor to government to provide the services that people need. It's not like you can register your car somewhere else. So um, we, we have to just try and make this kind of interface, the service, as easy as it can be. So it is painless, you know, that people aren't frustrated with that experience. And we've come to our final questions of the quiz. We're ending um, by testing your knowledge of some common words and phrases that you'll hear used in digital government. So a lot of people refer to us as GDS, which stands for the Government Digital Service. But how well do you know other acronyms that we've been throwing around all year long? Oh, I think Kit is going to have the edge on me here because he does so much cross-government engagement. I think this is where I'm going to really fall down. Fingers crossed. <laughs> all right. So fingers on buzzers. What is DDAT? I'm going to get in there with this and an easy early one. So DDAT is Digital Data and Technology. And I know that because during my round of welcome coffees on day one, that was the acronym that kept coming up. And people said, if you just get one acronym under your belt today, make it DDAT because it's so important to the work that GDS does as the head of the DDAT profession. That is correct. All right. Our next term that we're looking for is retros. Does it stand for retrospective? It's as simple as that, indeed. So what happens at a retrospective, if you don't mind sharing? So a retro is, I think it kind of does what it says on the tin, really, where the group that's been working on a project will come together and essentially evaluate the good, the bad and the ugly of the work that's just been done to see what could be applied to the future, both in terms of positives that went well and things that could be improved in future, future pieces of work. Nice. An iterative process. So obviously there's been a lot of change this year, but I think most of it has maybe been unanticipated. However, what we had been planning for this year is recruiting two leadership positions. And I know everyone at GDS is excited about welcoming them in due course. One of them is for CEO of GDS and the other is GCDO. 
no pressure, given that they'll be your bosses, and you don't know, they might even be listening. But can you tell me for one more point what GCDO stands for? GCDO stands for the Government Chief Digital Officer. That is correct. Sorry, Lou. Missed out. Too slow. Quiz has come to an end, so let me quickly tot up the scores. I hope everyone listening did well, and I hope we don't have to go to a tiebreaker. Ooh, do you have a tiebreaker? Well, fact is, I won't need a tiebreaker because the winner is Kit. Well done. Congratulations to Kit and uh, commiserations to Lou. You almost had it. Kit, a worthy opponent, very well played. So um, Kit, finish us off. Why don't you share with us what your highlight of this year has been? Might be tough. It's been a crazy year, but I'm sure you've got something. Yeah, it's been a bit of a funny one starting a role completely remotely. I think the the people that I work with have been a definite highlight, but also with this being my first role within the civil service and within the public sector, uh, just the kind of confidence of standing on my own two feet and being more uh, confident in the work that I'm doing and getting more responsibility with each passing month is a, is a really good feeling at the moment. That is such a lovely thing to say. Uh, I'll make sure to pass that on to your colleagues. Um, Because, yeah, I really enjoyed that. How about yourself, Lou? I think similar to Kit, it's all about the the people. So I'm lucky enough to lead the team that's responsible for recording the podcast that you're listening to. And what you folks uh, don't get to see or rather hear is just how much work goes into this each and every month. And of course, earlier this year, the team had to pivot, as so many of us did, to do things differently because recording in the way that we once did would not be safe or within the guidance. So I wanted to say a big shout out to Emily and to Vanessa. So Emily is our producer. You never hear her here, but she's a big part of the podcast. And also to Laura Stevens, who's one of our old hosts and is now in another part of GDS. And to everybody else that's been involved because it really is a huge challenge to do this. And I think they do a phenomenal job. So we hope you enjoyed listening and we hope to see you again in the new year. I don't want to sound like I'm gloating, but actually it's been a really good year for me. I've had a lot of great opportunities come up this year, maybe because of what's changed, you know, in working remotely. But I don't think it's uh, a bad idea to not acknowledge it. Um, I got to write for the blog for the first time at GDS. I presented to the entire organization, which was simultaneously nerve-wracking and thrilling. And I've been able to share my expertise among members of the devolved nations, thanks to our national, international, and research team. So there's a lot to reflect on really positively. Uh, I think all of that could not have been done without having a really good team backing me. So I think that's probably my highlight. Oh my God, so cute. (laughs) Thank you so much to our guests, Lou Harris and Kit Clark for coming on today. We wish all of our listeners a happy new year and look forward to sharing new episodes with you in 2021. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Government Digital Service podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And the transcripts are available on Podbean. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.